Hey guys, welcome to Bagging Boardcast. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a sometimes weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is The List. Yes, The List. And that, um, that. It's been a month. That is a part of the podcast where we talk about the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out October 18th, 2017. <laughs> we followed up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's time for our monthly look back, and we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that we picked up in the month of September 2017. Uh, <laughs> we look at Nightwing the New Order number one, Star Wars Jedi of the Republic Mace Windu number one, Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi Captain Phasma number one, Runaways number one, and Marvel Legacy number one. Man. Just listening to you list off all those really long Star Wars titles, it made my mouth uh, dry. Like just listening, so I can only imagine that you have to take a sip of something right now, Chris. What what are you drinking to help you uh, get through these? It's it's that time of year. Uh, we're heading into fall, so the temperatures are down into like the 80s or 70s here in Orlando. Uh, so I need me a pumpkin beer, and I hit up one of my favorite new breweries uh, down here and i say new not because they just came out but because i just recently really started to get into their stuff um this is tampa bay brewing company's gourds gone wild pumpkin ale uh it says 6.6 abv comes in a tall boy can i picked up a four pack of this for like 10 bucks and this is a great pumpkin beer i haven't picked up a lot of pumpkin stuff this year yet um but this would definitely be a go-to like I just want to go to the store and get a pumpkin beer that I know is going to be solid. Um, I would put this behind something like a pumpkin. Um, maybe not necessarily at the level of the Ichabod uh, that we had a couple years ago when you guys came to Michigan for a beercation. But this is just a, a nice, great, drinkable pumpkin beer. I'm actually on, on my second can of it because I had one earlier when I was doing like my pre-show, like taping up of the show notes. Uh and I had no issues with actually opening up another one. I thought about just saving, like, the bottom part of the glass that I had to kind of lean into this. But I was like, no, yeah, like, 6%. I can go I can go for another one. You you do that. It does sound delightful. It, it's a, I mean, it's a great pumpkin. It's got, like, a nice little bit of vanilla on it, but it's not, like, overpoweringly sweet. It's, it's got what you want in a pumpkin beer. Hmm. I'm talking about pumpkin beers. John just threw me a curveball. And uh, we're going to be drinking the Southern Tier. Oh, I've never had a curveball. What's that oh, one taste like? This is a uh, no. He he threw me a curve because we were drinking an IPA, and then he opened up the bottle really quick of the Cold Press Coffee Pumpkin from Southern Tier Brewery. This is a uh, their pumpkin, but with cold pressed coffee flavor added to it. So uh, not a warlock. No, and Paul, we had this last year. year. You brought a growler back from the brewery, and we weren't fans. It tasted like. They took your pumpkin and they just added a coffee flavoring to it and then charged you an arm and a leg. Because um, uh, this year, man, what the four pack is what fourteen ninety nine for the pumpkin? Uh, yeah, it's it actually went down in price oh, from what it was last year. Was it sixteen ninety nine last yeah, year? Yeah, uh, and the um, the warlock was more money. Now the uh, the warlock, the regular pumpkin and the cold press, um, I was selling them all for thirteen ninety nine. I just can't do it. Uh, yeah, I and 
I'm not enjoying this beer last year. I was hard pressed to buy it this year. Um, I you got were a, cold pressed to buy it mm, this year. <laughs> uh, I got I grabbed a single bottle just for us to try because mm-hmm. I wanted to know uh, is there a difference it's, from what we had last year? This is better. Uh, this is better than what we had last year. Um, it's got a kind of coffee grounds on the nose, mm-hmm. um, little of that kind of. But it's very light on the aftertaste. That coffee. It's a coffee richness yeah. that kind of rounds out that nice it's, pumpkin-y, yammy flavor. It's light on the coffee, and it takes away from what pumpkin tastes like, mm-hmm. so it's like lose-lose with this beer. Yeah. I think it's trying to round out that pumpkin flavor with a richness, that coffee, earthy richness, um, but it's so much, it's still... All yam- it's not a pumpkin beer; it's a yam beer. Yeah. It tastes like a yam- it tastes like sweet potatoes. Yeah, and then I, I think they're trying to mask that a little bit with the coffee, and I think it does round it out. I think it delivers a nice, you know, uh, mouthfeel and everything. But um, would you drink it again? I wouldn't want to buy it again. No, I wouldn't want to. Not I wouldn't want to pay that price. And if I showed up and I had a bottle and was like, "Hey, do you want this or that? Like, do you want a normal pumpkin or this? The coffee." You know what? I would go with the normal pumpkin, just because it doesn't. I, I, I kind of understand what they want to do with it. And I just don't think it works. What would you drink this over? I, I want to pick this beer. <laughs> I want. I want to pay that price to pick. To no, buy I'm beer giving it to you. Perfect. Like what? 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 What would it take from you to pick this beer over another beer? What would that other beer have to be? That other beer is that Frank's. The Prince hot sauce, <laughs> Frank's Bloody Mary hot sauce uh, that I that I have that three pack. It's like se- it's separated. It's, like it's, it's got like a clear, like clear grossness on top I and like it, red. I bought it two years ago for the first Bills versus Jets color rush game uh, when the NFL was doing for the first time the color rush for a Thursday night game, and I'm like, oh, this is red. The Bills are wearing all red tonight. I'll buy this because I like Frank's hot sauce. Why wouldn't I like a, a and I like Bloody Marys? I should like this. It was awful. I did not like it. There's still three of that four pack sitting you in my fridge. Just pour those out. Uh, yeah, I don't but, know why you held on to those. Because no, one day I will really not like somebody and just want to like throw the bottles at them. Um, and Chris, if you want those pumpkin beers up here, uh, I'm almost all out of almost everything. Uh, wow, the really? cold the cold press is is done. No more pumpkin four packs done. No more, um, and They're a lot of the out. other pumpkin beers. Yeah, uh, everybody. The last couple of years have everybody has really shrunk down what Good. they distribute because um, they keep getting hung on it. I know uh, pumpkin was on people's shelves. Chris, you were buying it well into the spring. Oh, yeah, uh, and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> Um, I actually I wore my uh, pumpkin hat that you gave me when I went to uh, the parks the other day. Hey, all right, that has to be pretty cool, cool because it's a cool logo, even if you're not in the know. You know, yeah, the if you're not in the know, I, you probably see it at a quick glance and think it's like Nightmare Before Christmas or something. Yeah. Like, but no, I I think it's a thank you. All I know is I'm gonna have a giant blow up pumpkin pumpkin. Yeah, that you can wear as a mask. <laughs> no, it's it's too big. Oh, it's a it's I giant. Saw, I saw a picture. It's really big. <laughs> it's huge. Cool. 
Well, uh, well, talking about huge, I think uh, the hugest news for me this past week was we got the actual trailer for Star Wars: The Last Jedi. It's not a teaser; it's the the full length trailer. And Billy Fichillo is proud of that segue that you just did there, sir. Hey, hey, Billy Fichillo is everywhere. He's down here too in yeah. Florida. Yeah, he, he, I, I didn't realize how global he was. It's like his reach is huge. Mm. Is, uh, much like Star Wars' reach. And oh. team up? Kylo, run team up? Is that what's happening? I Okay, when I first watched this, because um, they debuted the trailer during uh, Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. I So you watched was, Monday Night Football? I didn't, I didn't watch the game. Oh. I just kept Googling what the score was on the game because they would tell you how much time was left in the half. I just kept refreshing it to see how much time there was. And, of course, like three minutes in football time took like 20. Uh, (laughs) But as soon as it was like they were at halftime, I like went over to YouTube. I opened up the app and then like within seconds I saw the trailer. Uh, I watched it and then I had to go back and I rewatched it again just like fresh and like able to think about it a little bit more. I, I feel like there's a lot of shady editing in here that makes it seem like stuff's happening. That's not. And we also know from past star Wars trailers, stuff in the trailers might not actually appear in the movie. (laughs) See rogue one, see the original trailer for force awakens too. There was stuff in that, that didn't quite make it. Uh, the Gorilla Walkers, is that what we're calling them? Right? Um, the yeah, they're... ATM. I'm trying to remember the... AT, ATM6, I think? ATM... Yeah, some, I don't know. but I'm, I, I can Google it right now. Versus the Skimmers, right? And what's cool, too, is like, oh, hey, the Empire... Yep, ATM6 Walkers. The Empire learned, uh, hey, if you don't have something like that on the front, they'll wrap a cord around your, us and knock us down. Mm-hmm. So let's not have that. <laughs> Remember uh, I, logs? I like logs suck, guys. Let's get something that can walk over logs. I think that was my favorite part of the trailer, though, because it's very reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back, where you have the walkers assaulting an Imperial base, or I'm sorry, a like, rebel base. Mm-hmm. You've got like your speeders heading out to meet them. And it just seems like this is going to go even worse for the Resistance than it did for the Rebellion. Like I feel like the First Order's learned their lessons, and it's just, it's just going to get torn apart now. And this is also going to be the longest Star Wars. Ooh. Um, Go to peebreak.com for all your peebreak needs. Is that still a website? I, I've never I even heard was of a that. Website. There was a website. That's, that a, that's a Paul McGowan-like fantasy dream. No, there was a They're going to tell me when to pee. There was a website that would describe in the movie, like... Like about roughly when it would be in, and like what the char- what character would say a line. It would only give you the time, the timestamp, and a character saying a line and saying, "Hey, you basically have two minutes here, where it's all just uh, like either uh, flashback or just some talking. You're not going to miss any great action. Go pee then." Like, it was okay, like when I searched for a pee break, it automatically pulled up pee break app, and then the very first uh, option for that was run pee. Run P. Which is an app that you can that's use it. that says, um, on the app you select your movie and you start the app as soon as the movie begins and it'll let you know when there's a lull in the movie or 
or the story time and to go to bed. Example, if you were to be watching Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, 52 minutes and 18 seconds in is the recommended B time. Hmm. Um, Star Wars last year. Right, right when Stark says, sorry, we would have called you ahead, but we were busy having no idea you existed. Two hours and 30 minutes long, Last Jedi. Oof. I'm okay with that. But yeah, they seem to be packing a lot. In the, there's a lot happening in the trailer, so it's good that they're actually going to let it all happen. <laughs> like, the last thing I want is, you know, a Dark Phoenix uh, kind of, or what was it called? X Men Last Stand, where they tried to cram in a lot of movie into a very little runtime. And none of it was good. So my, my go-to yeah. for that, same kind of allegory, um, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, where it's basically just at the yeah. end. The clips I'm, like, I'm the Half-Blood Prince. Like, oh, remember, that was the thing. Yeah. Hey, man. Uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Mm. I mean, it's 90 minutes long, and they're talking about scenes that, like, that we never got. You know, Aramak was supposed to kill uh, Stryker and Cabal, and he's like, oh, no, I didn't. I didn't uh, defeat them. I let them go. And then you're like, wait, I could have seen that? I could have seen Stryker? Yeah. 90 minutes long. 90 minutes long. As someone that actually played Stryker, I don't even know if I wanted to see him in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to blind you with his flashlight. He says, who throws grenades like that, honestly? (laughs) I just, I don't know. He's got the same arch as Cyrax with his, like, bombs. Boop, boop. Cyrax makes... I'm really excited about Star Wars, guys. I, <laughs> I really like how... Like, I was watching the trailer, and I watched it a couple times, and everything looks like it's built. Like, it's actually built, which I really enjoy about the original Star Wars trilogy. Um, like, Kylo Ren's lightsaber, uh, Kylo's lightsaber. Like, there's that red wire that just is hanging out there, and I'm like, dude, that looks like something I could put together. You know, as somebody that's, you know... And his new saber looks a lot sleeker too. That because it's all mm-hmm. black now, looks a lot sleeker. Who's Kylo Ren's? Oh, but there's a wire hanging out of it. I actually I didn't even notice the wire. It's like all it's just attached on the outside, and I'm like, I can build that. And then even his uh in his super awesome tie, like you can see the spring on his trigger, on his triggers. And I'm like, dude. They're not hiding anything. This is great. It's not. It doesn't look all sleek. It looks like it's actually somebody made it. Well, that's what I really loved about the Force Awakens is they were like all practical. Mm-hmm. We're going all practical, minimal computer effects, except for Chewie. Now that was a CGI no, Chewie, Chewie's, right? Chewie's still a, Chewie's still there. Yeah, but wasn't he looked CGI in the trailer? Like that before the poor comes up. And starts yelling, Chewie, when he, he does his growl, yeah. growl, he looked he looked CG. I didn't think he looked CG. But no, I, also I, th- I think that's just, you're so used to seeing the old costume, like, seeing the new one just... And it's a different guy. Maybe yeah. that's all it. Because I also thought BB-8 was CG, and then it turned out to be practical. Yeah. Well, don't worry, because now we have BB-9E, the, the evil. Mm-hmm. BB, uh, BB-8. The evil BB droid. Aren't they just called BB droids? Um, I, I, I think so. We didn't talk about it, BB but units. but we did get the new another a, another trailer for Justice League. 
Mm. And this is oh kind yeah, of, I watched that one too, and I'm still just like, yeah, it's. I need to bring the team together. It's kind of the uh, Joss Whedon cut cut trailer. Oh. I'm you yeah. know, um, and also I'm, I'm piggybacking on that. Uh, I just saw a, a article today that the DC Warner Brothers people kind of came out to say that. Yeah, Zack Snyder's take on these characters is not exactly what we have envisioned. Mm. But then they still let the guy do I, I three think it's, movies. It's worth actually talking about that, especially because then you can tie that back over to Star Wars. Then, like, because you do have someone overseeing Star Wars with um, Kathleen Kennedy. Like, she worked alongside George Lucas. Like, she's been there. Like, mm-hmm. she calls the shots. So if stuff's not going right, like, she's the one that's like, yep. Yeah, you know, pull the plug on Miller and Lord, like get them out, you know, like, okay. Like we're not like, uh, liking Trevor O on nine. He's, he's gone. DC needs someone like that. Much like Marvel has Kevin Feige. Like they have people that oversee everything and point it, direct it. That's really what DC needs. And they've talked about how it's like, Oh, Jeff Johns is our creative director mm-hmm. overseeing things but and he's supposed I to be feel working like that's more with... just like him talking about story like oh no like Green Lantern's costume should be green mm-hmm. but he was supposed to be teamed up with the woman from Warner Brothers that worked with J.K. Rawlings to bring the Harry Potter movies to life like that's that's where that she was got her always job. like we've always been hearing like weird rumors like oh like or this is what is set in place and then like a few months later you hit you hear like some other news about Jeff Johns and the movie stuff and you're like oh finally that's happening and then a couple months later you hear some other thing where he's like well yeah now I'm kind of more a little bit slightly uh, uh, I get to stand outside the men's room when they talk about the DC movies you know it's <laughs> well, like then oh, also at the same same time with J.K. Rowling's too like she's active yeah. in everything that has to do with Harry Potter. Like the whole reason Harry Potter went to <clears throat> Universal instead of Disney because Disney wanted it is she wants to still have complete control over everything that happens and everything they did. Mm-hmm. Disney didn't want to give that up. Universal's like, yeah, like this is your baby. Like we'll just be happy to have it. And it worked out incredibly well for them. So I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing. Like maybe J.K. Rowling had a lot more say mm-hmm. in the movies with Warner Brothers than DC has with Warner Brothers, like their own company. Yeah, it's their IP. Yeah, it's just crazy. Um, <coughs> I don't know. I, I keep on forgetting that we're only like weeks away from Justice League coming out, and also yeah, I keep on forgetting Thor Ragnarok is also like days away from coming out. Or, yeah, so, so it's like November's like a weird release for like a blockbuster movie like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm still excited for that one, but well, everybody wants it. Everybody wants to extend it, extend the season. Like because you have the normally this is the time for the this is the time where horror movies come out and they do pretty well. They get the twenty five to thirty million dollars, but man, the studios want to have a nice even. You know, even keel, give us money each and every month so we can keep projects rolling. And the th- movie theaters, you know, they've been hit hard. They yeah, they want uh, to keep the lights on monthly. Well, one, of the, uh, one of the Cracked podcasts I listen to, I don't remember if it was like the actual Cracked podcast or the Cracked Movie uh, Club, 
But that's something that they were talking about, where there's literally no reason for there to be a blockbuster season. Mm-hmm. Like, people put movies out then because they think, like, well, no, this is when the blockbusters need to come out, and this is when you release your art house, like, Oscar fodder. It, it doesn't have to be that way, but that's just the way that they keep it. I would much rather have good movies come out all year long than just a two-month period where it's like, okay, well, I have to see this, I have to see this, I have to see this. Give me something, you know, in October that I want to go see. You know, give me something in November. Give me something in December. 2013, Thor The Dark World released November, November 8th. So, I mean, like, it's that's kind of the Thor release time now, is November? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the old... Uh, but the even, old like, Febu- what, February was Deadpool. Mm-hmm. February was... February was the original Daredevil. The original Daredevil, but February was also um, Doctor Strange, right? Doctor Strange came out super early. Um, no, I want to say I, that one came out... I think early... Uh, that was, like, November, I think, because it came out with... Um, did he, yeah, did he have the Thor release? I think he had the Thor release date. Guardians was August, the original. Here, I, got, I just pulled it up. Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them came out like a month away, or not a month, like a week off from... Yeah, so it was November, because... November November 4th was Doctor Strange. Because I went to the movies like twice in one week, and I was like, wow, I saw Fantastic Beasts and Doctor Strange. Like I saw two movies about magic in the same week. Mm-hmm. I think I think I do feel like some of these the franchise movies are spreading, they're yeah. spreading out away from the summer. Even like uh, the original Guardians coming out in August, like oh the summer blockbusters are over. They're gonna try to do it in August, and then they did. You know, well, I, I think it's good because then at the same time the studios can see like no this movie can stand on its own. It can perform. It doesn't need to be build as a summer blockbuster movie it's going to get people to the theaters based on its own merit uh which which i think is cool you know it's i think it's partly because uh the studios have recognized that there's a crowding out now in the summer because we've seen the jockeying that has happened with the uh, batman versus superman was trying to get out of the way of captain captain america 3 and they kept on like moving week to week and postponing each other it's no, like that. No, or Batman kept on like trying to get out kept, of the way. Yeah, they both picked the same yeah. day, and they're like, "Who's gonna jump?" And it was Batman versus Superman jumped out of the way of Captain America. Right, but and also, you know, it, Jaws is the one that created this whole summer movie blockbuster thing because Jaws was that first summer movie blockbuster, and they saw that oh, teens love going to the movies, guys. And they're off during the summer. It gives them something to do. And there's this new spangled thing called air conditioning. Like, it was a big thing back in the early 70s, or late 70s, early 80s. Like, somehow, a lot of houses didn't have central air. You go see a movie, you get out of the heat, you watch a cool movie. That's something that was cheap for the family to do. Now it's not cheap for the family to do. Now people have AC. They have just as good experiences at home. So. Yeah. Why? Why bother? Uh, one podcast that I listen to called "We Hate Movies." Oh. Uh, they often are like, "Wait, why did you see this movie?" And they'd be like, "I was walking around. It was raining outside. I was just like, well, I'll go in here, dry off. Maybe the rain will stop." Or it was that thing like, "I was so hot, I had to get some air conditioning." So I went well, and saw that movie. That's what I did. Back when I was growing up, we didn't have AC in our house, so it was like, 
let's just go to the movies. Let's go to the mall. We don't want to buy anything. What's the cheapest thing we can do? Yeah, we can spend five dollars and fifty cents. Even see a movie. I mean, this this past summer, I after we recorded one day, I was off for like the rest of the evening. I was going to go to one of the parks. Like I was heading towards Disney property, and as I was driving, I was like heading past Disney Springs, and I just thought, oh, you know what? I, I haven't seen Wonder Woman yet. I pulled up the movie times as I was driving. I was like, oh, I, I, Wonder Woman's playing in an hour. Like I just pulled off because I was like, hey, I'm in the Arrow. I might as well stop by and see a movie. Very dangerous, Chris. Wonder Woman would not approve of you using uh, a cell phone. While she driving. would understand a phone. <laughs> now she would, <laughs> she would because she works for the and Louvre. By, by the way, I just I rewatched Wonder Woman because it's available for rent on like the Xbox Marketplace for like five dollars. I thought, yeah, you know, five dollars isn't bad to rewatch mm-hmm. this. It's not a bad movie. I I still enjoyed it, but I was on my phone for a half that movie. Mm-hmm. You're the one you, out of the three of us. You were the one that liked it the least. Yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. Like I enjoyed it. I it don't apart. think it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. I think people were just so surprised that a DC movie could be decent. They have fun. I mean, I don't know if I said this on the show uh, or if it was like pre pre show discussion, but my original complaint still stands where there's just so much mustache twirling and hand-wringing from the villains. Those moments still were just so apparent to me when I was watching it. Uh, But speaking of surprises, uh, New Mutants movie? Yeah, it's coming out six months from now. We got the trailer. Yep. Uh, Coming out in April. I remember seeing stuff for Gifted, and I remember seeing things for New Mutants. I thought New Mutants was actually going to be a TV show as well. So when I saw this trailer, I watched it, I was confused, and then I sent the trailer to you guys. Uh, Paul, you watched it. Chris was baffled. He was like, why is he sending me something from about Gifted? I don't care about yeah, that show. I, I really thought it was a trailer for The Gifted. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to watch that. So I, I didn't watch it until we started to... like pre-show uh, routine where we just talk about our weeks and what we're going to discuss on the show. And you mentioned that, no, this is an actual New Mutants movie, which I vaguely remember them announcing now, but it's just kind of one of those things that it's something that Fox announced, and it's like, yeah, that, that won't be a movie. But no, like, this is the New Mutants, and it actually has actors as the titular New Mutants. Yeah. But we never get their names. We don't get anybody's names in the in the trailer. No, and you don't really see anybody's power except somebody on fire. In a washing no, we, machine. we don't until I, I headed over to IMDb to look this up, and I was like, oh, they're actually playing Wolfsbane, Magic, Cannonball, Sunspot, Mirage. Like, they're, they're the new mutants. Yeah, I kind of, up until when John pulled up the IMDb, I was, like, thinking this was an Avatar situation for me. Like, I'm thinking Avatar The Last Airbender, and everybody's talking about this movie that's supposed to be great, called Avatar. And I'm like, what? The Last Airbender's getting a movie, and everybody says it's going to be great? Completely different. Pandora and Blue Cats versus M. Night Shyamalan fucking me in the ass. (laughs) He took you for a ride, too. My initial thought on this was, okay, so they have Arya Stark in it, and then the older brother from Stranger Things. Everything else was just kind of happening around it. 
Yeah. And the and the girl that plays Arya Stark, you see her for a brief second. Like if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't know it was her because she's wearing a bad wig. Um, but then also like it to me it plays if you didn't put New Mutants and you showed this, it'd be like, oh man, there's these kids in a haunted like hospital because mm-hmm. that's what this plays as. Yeah. It plays as a horror movie, which yeah. was really it's- surprising. The trailer really reminded me of something like Carrie, where it's a group of teenage kids, they have weird powers, and it's more suspenseful than superhero. And there's nothing against that. I mean, I'm okay with a different take on this movie. It it looks interesting. I just didn't know it existed until today, and it comes out in April. The thing is, I didn't even get that the kids had powers in it. It's like... Did you ever hurt anybody? Did you ever, you know, experience anything strange? Do you know what a mutant is? And I'm like, well, a mutant could be anything, you know. And then it seemed more like Cabin Fever or one of those really bad yeah, horror movies. Yeah, it, it's a haunted, the yeah. haunted hospital kind of thing. It just played really weird when I know what New Mutants is. And then I was just baffled by what this, I was like, well, I don't, and to your point, Chris, yes, it seems an interesting take on on it, but I just like I don't get where the the connection between of the, the two, two of, of the two the two, two are. Yeah. yeah, but why not? You no, know, if if this was a separate property and it was like, oh no, here's weird kids with powers, it I think it would still stand on its own if they just changed the names that they never say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's my thing is I'm like unless you're in the know and know this is an X-Men and other other than them flashing Marvel still which if I was Marvel I'd be pissed I'd be like no, really they, dude no because they want people to know that New Mutants is a Marvel comic that they can go buy no because they just I think they, they still get something from it like See, they still Fantastic get some sort Four. of money uh, I think it's yeah I'm sure they get some sort of money but man I but would I, just be like, I think that's exactly why They've completely updated their branding for the actual Marvel Studios pictures. Mm-hmm. Because now when you go see a Marvel movie, it doesn't just flash Marvel on the screen with like the comic books flickering behind it. It's like a 30-second sequence of them showing like their biggest and boldest characters. Like, their movie properties. And, like it's, it's, and it's legit Marvel Studios now. Even on the Thor trailer, it's Marvel yeah. Studios, not just Marvel The Red Box. Not the Netflix box, Marvel. It's a different different one altogether. Um, so I think they're trying to distance themselves as much as they can while still skimming a little bit off the top. Because Daddy, you got to get paid. Right. I'm talking mm-hmm. about getting paid. Uh, this was a trailer that we don't understand uh, what's happening in it. But there was a trailer, and I'm sorry I'm bringing it up now. Runaways. The Hulu trailer. Chris, that you shared. Um... That one, I, I, you know, I'm in the know. You're in the know. We read the comic book. I felt like it gave a little bit too much away. I, I honestly forgot all about this one. Wow. I, I no, honestly, I feel like this is something that yeah, it's for those in the know. But I think if you don't know, it's still this isn't going to hook you. Yeah. They, see, that's the. Yeah, I don't know what you could do with a Runaways trailer that would hook hook you. I would. I kind of want them to sell it as if it was a fun 
teenage romp with superpowers, and then you then when you watch the first episode, you're like, oh shit, this is something different. Yeah, but then you'd become complaining that hey, I thought this was gonna be a superhero romp, and now yeah, yeah, it's still a fun superhero romp, and it is, but you know that hook is in there that I don't want to give away because that's what I'm complaining about. It's the trailer. The Runaways hook. The thing that makes yeah. Runaways different. But it's... It, honestly, even going back to the original comic book, that's your end of issue number one. Right. Like, cliffhanger. Like, that's 20 pages in. Okay, now, now you're grabs. I think when we do finally get the series on Hulu, it's... That's going to be the end of episode one, you know? Mm-hmm. It's... But if it's only 16 episodes, you know, I, I want that, I mean, I want the, that to the be... The first series was only, surprise. like, six issues or something, you know? It's... It was three traits, or three uh, those uh, Magna books that they were doing. I, I think... I think they give you enough to understand what it is, but it's going to be the characters and the actual story that gets you to tune in for number two. Um, I mean, com- if I compare the Runaways trailer to something like any of the stuff that I saw from Marvel's Inhumans, I have no cares for that. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a beloved nostalgia that I have for the Runaways characters that makes me want to check this out. It, I think just the trailer on its own is a lot more intriguing than what we had for Inhumans. The, the trailer for New Mutants actually was more interesting than I think the trailer that we had for uh, FX Legion. Like I, I still haven't watched any of that show. I've heard good things, but it's it, really it, good. It didn't interest me. Uh, even when I thought the trailer that you sent over was for the other FX show, The Gifted, I, I know there's a trailer out there for The Gifted. I haven't watched it. It doesn't, it doesn't hook me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just kind of rambled for a bit, but I don't know. In, Inhumans, no. Runaways, yes. That's basically what I'm getting down to. All right. I think. Do we want to talk about any other news release dates for? Nah, I think now. we're all right. We'll talk about this another time. Yep. All right. Next beer. I yet? do need to oh. go get my next beer though. All right. I'm take a pause quick. You get it in your next. I'm gonna my glass too. And we didn't talk about who was gonna be kicking this off when we came back after. We figured, took our break from the news. I, I thought I thought yeah. I did. When I, thought I said, he, "Chris, are you ready?" And then I counted down for you. Sorry. Yeah, but we never we never really like. I kind of took it the same way Paul was when he was like, "Hey, you ready?" I'm sorry. I was thinking. I was actually holding up my glass of beer, looking at it, because my next beer actually is from Full Sail Brewing. Um, if you listen to the show at all, I am a big fan of Full Sail. They're a solid brewery. Uh, all their stuff's really reasonable price, and this is a prime example of that because right now I have their OPA, their Oatmeal Pale Ale, and it's 6.6% ABV, so another middle-of-the-road boy. Uh, this bomber only cost me $5, and that's one of the things I love about them. If you're trying to do craft beer on a budget, I don't think there's anything wrong with picking up anything that you see from Sol- uh, Full Sail. Because, yeah, this is a really nice drinkable pale. It's, it's got a nice kind of maltiness from the from the oatmeal, but it still has a good hop on it. Um, I'm going to take another sip, and I'm going to try to talk about it because it's got, like, a lot of, like, tropical fruit 
on the nose, but it doesn't really come through in the taste. Hmm. Eh, yeah, maybe it, maybe it's there, um, but no, like for five dollars, hmm. yeah, I I would gladly pick this up again. Yeah, full we'll sale. It's one of those great budget beers. Uh, definitely. I mean, the, on some occasions, there's there's uh, always a good hit for the price. You're always like, hey, yeah, this is really good. Every once in a while, you get a miss, and you're kind of a little disappointed because you've had yeah, so many uh, good things yeah. from them that you're like, oh man, you know, this isn't this isn't as good. I, I can't um, remember the name of the one like other one that they had. That's kind of like that was the like the downside for me. I don't remember like they still brew it you can still find it out there i feel bad because i'm talking about a beer that i don't remember the name of but i've only had one from them that i was like eh no so far um i mean i think another great kind of budget brewery and i hate to call them that because it makes them sound cheap but lagunitas i think is another prime example of uh, hey you want a great beer for a great price i think lagunitas kind of leads the pack on that but full sale is definitely right there behind him probably anderson valley too uh lagunit is definitely i mean like uh hop stupid, hop stupid. And oh my god like, they're again, bombers bomb. they're five dollar bombers you can now get hop stupid in a um you know a, a, a 12.99 six pack um their other beers are usually about 11.99 for uh they're Midas um, for um, Paul and my favorite uh, uh, little something something. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and then the thing I love is like little something something you can find pretty much anywhere too now. Like I can go to the Walmart down the street from where I work and pick up a six of that on my way home. Like, and it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, High Westified, which was probably my favorite barrel aged beer of last year, was a. Uh, thirteen ninety nine six pack from Weyerbacher. No, High Westified oh, from, from Lagunitas. Uh, coffee, coffee aged, um, coffee bourbon aged stout. Um, thirteen ninety nine for a six pack, twelve twelve percent bottle. You know, beer. Um, best flavor. Yeah. I, I rationed those out, and I was very hard. It was very hard for me to drink those, and I always kept going like I shouldn't be drinking these because I so don't you know. Guys drinking a uh, oatmeal pale ale as well? Uh, no, we are drinking uh, a New England style IPA from uh, Blue Point Brewery. This is Hazy Bastard. Um, this was canned on ten three. This is a brewery exclusive beer, um, and we had it a little too warm. Um, I think you lost some of the good citrus notes. I've had this beer before, and I've I really, like really, really liked it. Uh, I've been drinking it, and I'm like, this is the not the best. Um, like if, if we were to compare it to like a single cut, mm-hmm. it's not the best single cut, but it's head and shoulders above the worst single cut we've had. Um, and this beer that we poured and we split between the mm-hmm. two of us um, doesn't compare to the beer i've had before um yeah, so this beer that's been in front of me all night is definitely not heads and shoulders above this would go in the single cut lower tier yeah i, di- I wouldn't put it ahead and- no I, I wouldn't even put okay. it in a single cut category this is a um, deep cut from a little uh, sweet it's got a little bit of malt that's mm-hmm. in there that i don't know where that was coming from um 
good citrus on the nose, but it's not it's not the beer that um, I brought planning to share with you. Um, so I don't know if there's something wrong with the can. If if this got warm, if Harvey and then died, cold, and now Batman's the the hero that we deserve. Exactly. Something happened. Um, but yeah, no, this was a bit of a disappointment because I've had better versions of this. Yeah. I I haven't. <laughs> no, you. The haven't. only one that I've had is not great. Not good. I would agree. Um, excited for our next beer, though. Yes. But uh, <clears throat> first. What I'm even more excited about is listening to what book you're most excited coming out on October 18th, 2017. Uh, Paul, Paul, you have to say it the right way. Hey, guys. 17. 17. Oh, my God. I I felt that, like, in the back (laughs) of my throat. Like, it was, like, acidic. Um, To me, October means horror movies. I love horror movies, and I really enjoy horror anthology books um, and just horror books in general, horror movies. And that's why I'm picking up Mr. Higgins Comes Home from Mike Manola and Warwick Johnson Cadell. And this is, it seems like it is vampire stories told over time that all come together um, in the end with... uh, Mr. Higgins Comes Home? You no, know, you're thinking of American Vampire. Am I? Yeah, we read oh. that. That's really good. That is good. I read <laughs> I read the entire series. Did you? No. No, okay. I read the ones that we read for the show. <laughs> and those are really good. Those are great. Um, vampire Story Told Over Time. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in seeing this. Uh, if it reads like an anthology, I'll be happy. Um, if it just reads as a really good vampire book with, you know, Mike Manola art styling... I'll be happy with that too. Um, uh, I, when I was doing the show notes for this, and I was typing in uh, our picks for the list, you, we we've made no secret about this, but sometimes John picks crappy books. A girl walks but, home alone. <laughs> a girl that walks home alone. A girl that's not afraid to walk home alone. Whatever that movie was, or movie and or comic book was. Uh, as soon as I pulled this up over on Comics Algae, though, and I saw that it was Mike Mignola cover, and then it was written by Mignola. I was like, oh, I, I kind of want to read this. <laughs> Thank you. I wasn't sure where that was going, but no, I... It, it, went, it went to a better place. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I haven't read anything from Mignola in a while. Um, I used to love reading Hellboy. When he was coming out with the BPRD series, I, I bought all that he was doing like like mini series here and there. Uh, it kind of became a thing where I liked his work, telling stories with those characters more than actually like reading the Hellboy books. But at some point, I just kind of fell off of reading that. So I'm I'm looking forward to reading this. Sorry, I had to go. All right, and this is a trade, so maybe we'll read it for a trade and policy. I think you uh, are you next on the chain policy list. I follow me? you, so yours okay. is like next week. I spilled beer on my phone. Oh, Gosh darn! Yeah. That a, sounds dramatic. It's just a drip. Oh, no, Paul, we're not ready yet. Oh, we're, we're not. talking about books. <laughs> just did talk about our books. Then it's the next section. No, John. John talked about his book. You and oh. I still have to go. Oh, but John also has to pull up a dramatic reading that <laughs> oh, he never did. 
no, no, but thank Paul, you. Paul, what book are you looking forward to? And I'm assuming it's going to be something like a number one or oh. part of a miniseries. Yeah, no, this is this is number 700. What? There's 700 issues of no book. There is, with, with crazy math, just like how... You kind of had to remember when we did our Windows. 7 I don't know party? what the hell you're talking about. What? Remember how we did our Windows Seven party and we tried to figure out how they got to Windows Seven and we couldn't figure it out. I well, do because uh, that's one of the episodes that was actually put onto UStream. Yeah, and I, I watched the video of it. We were playing with like balloons and streamers. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun, producer Scott. We miss you. It um, was. It was. I, it was a really good time. But uh, I'm hoping for an equally fun time with Mighty Thor number 700, part of the Marvel Legacy line, and this is the death of the Mighty Thor. Uh, and what really grabbed me into this book is on the Preview Wolf's World website, uh, if you click on it, their title is a two-page spread title uh, or cover, and on the and they show you the inside cover, and it actually has the math. They do the math. <laughs> So they have Journey into Mysteries 1 through 125, is 1 through 25, 125. Then the Thor 1966 run, 126 through 502. Then 98's uh, Thor of 1 through 85, they add that in to get us to 587. Then they add Thor from 2007, 1 through 12, gets us to 599. 07's where they re- renumbered for 600. 600 through 20, 621. Then the Mighty Thor from 2011, <laughs> 1 through 22, that gets us to 643. What, what time are you wasting here? Are you wasting everybody's time? Uh, you're pulling up your I'm time. fine. Oh, you're fine. I'm okay. fine. I don't need Anyways, you to. I, I'm like, I'm doing one scro- thing, and I'm like, what the hell is going on in my ears right now? I thought you were scrolling. I was wasting time for you. But anyway, I just feel bad for the poor Marvel intern that had to sit down and try to figure all of this out. They did, and I'm 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 applauding their work because they did they mathed it, they did the maths and they mathed it so good, so I get 700. Chris, what book are you yes. looking forward to? Because John's done scrolling on his phone. He's still scrolling on his phone though. I don't he's know. He's allowed he's to scroll. Don't take that away from him. I can do whatever uh, I want. Not on the podcast. Um, no, my my last month's pick was pretty much every book that I missed out on because I hadn't been picking up my books for a while. Uh, and this week, I'm actually really looking forward to getting back into my kind of regular reads with Green Lantern's number 33. I I really enjoy the Green Lantern books. Like, after going back and sitting down and reading, like, eight issues of Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps back-to-back, uh, I... I'm still just really happy with where the Green Lantern universe is here in the post rebirth reuniverse, whatever, whatever you want to call it now. Um, Green Lantern just it works really well now, and it's not as exciting as it was when we had that Renaissance with Jeff Johns on it. But it's such a solid just knockout book week to week because. They do two issues a month of each title. So every other week, you're getting something. It, it just works out so well. And yeah, you know what? I'm, I've come to love the characters of Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz, and I, I want to see more of them. So that's my pick. 
Good pick. And sidebar, because you're talking about American Vampire, uh, I couldn't remember the name of my favorite character from that, but it was Travis Kidd because I Googled it while you were talking. <laughs> See, people can do other things while you're talking. Uh, be- no, because, because that was the thing. Like Paul hadn't read any of the stuff with him, but he's, he's like a greaser that goes around biting vampires. He's super cool. Uh, so I feel like we off? need to re- read more American Vampire for Paul at some point. Next time, I next, love it. I, next I time read. I'm on a plane going down to Orlando to visit Chris. I'll read a bunch. Oh, of next week. Oh wait, oh, no, no, that's John. Yeah. But also, but Paul, five years ago, you and I were coming back from Orlando like oh, today. So and we pet some goats. <clears throat> rode some rides. You guys pet goats at, my, at the day of my wedding <laughs> yeah, too. Yep, all, that happened in a Wegman's parking lot. All best Christopher Roy stories. Involve Christopher Roy petting a goat because that motherfucker loves fucking goats. I'm sorry, I phrased no, that Paul. wrong. <laughs> Paul, better words. But yes, I do. Uh, we do have an episode title now, though. <laughs> that is not approved. <laughs> uh, it gets voted on at the end of the show. I'm writing it down. <laughs> sorry, Chris loves petting goats. He, he loves goats quite a bit. They're one of my favorite animals. My pick for the title won't beat that, though. I just want that to be known. He thinks goats are the greatest of all time. No, look at him. They're always having fun. (laughs) Anyway, so who's doing this dramatic reading? You are doing the dramatic reading. Oh, shit. I should probably look at this. I thought I was doing the dramatic reading. Okay. (laughs) No, I picked for Chris. And now, the dramatic reading of Hellboy and the BPRD. 1954, number one, The Black Sun, page nine, panel three. Size and smell don't matter. Last year I ran up against a kid's pet dog that mutilated until it was the size of a house. And that was a dramatic reading from Hellboy and the BPRD, 1954. Number one, Black Sun, page nine, panel three. You didn't give me the break. Remember that book coming out? Uh, no, I've been buying them. They're pretty good. They're like a lot of them are like one or two shots, kind of fun. Uh, that one has a lot of feeling of like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. I was gonna say like they're in the Arctic or something. Yeah. Did he see uh, John Carpenter's Thing has a board game? I did. I thought about getting it, but uh, then I was like, mm. "You do have a lot of those one versus many, it's like cooperative, but there's a portrayer." Yeah, I, I have a lot of those games too. I do too, and I just didn't want to. Like, I would, I, I would have bought it just because it was John Carpenter's The Thing, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite movies. I heard good things about. I it. haven't seen The Thing in god years. I could bring the Blu-ray down. I haven't seen. Nah, it. Like, we're gonna have a lot going on. <laughs> we got a lot going on. I haven't seen it in at least 34-plus years. Wait, you've never seen it? Yeah. <laughs> that's the, the math does check out. Uh, I got the Blu-ray. You're going to wow. you're gonna puke. <laughs> I will puke? Oh, I boy. don't know. It's really good. Uh, no, that'll be good uh, if you don't mind me borrowing it, because Kate and I have been looking for more horror movies, and the horror movies that are on Netflix, I'm like, I don't know. No, they're bad. It's so that. bad. There's nothing really good. Um, we actually watched... Uh, Coraline, and that was good. Coraline's fun. Yeah, Neil Gaiman. I've actually never seen that. 
the thing with Neil Gaiman movies, uh, Neverwhere scared me off because I'm like, this is kind of art house, you know, like art school, yeah, like film school kind of production kind of quality. Coraline, Chris, you wouldn't really like it. It's like a creepier uh, James and the Giant Peach. Uh, kind of meets like Labyrinth kind of a thing. Yeah, it's good. Like I've, I've heard good things about it, and it looks interesting. It just, it's one of those things like I never got around to seeing. Uh, same thing with that other one, like very similar vein, uh, Paranorman. Heard great things about it, just never... Definitely better than Frankenweenie. Frankenweenie yeah. really did kind of suck. And also, yeah, Frank and Weenie, not great. Here's another hot take. But, Corpse Bride but sucks. I, I, wait, what does? Corpse Bride. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you said Princess Bride. No. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big Tim Burton fan. Like, yeah. Skeleton Productions, man. Skelt- what is it? Skeleton Productions that he has? That I'm not- I like Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, I en- I enjoyed Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from him. Yeah. Um, because it was a little more like the book. Right. Um, but even like his Alice in Wonderland, I didn't super love, yeah. and I don't. I haven't even bothered to watch that second one. Nobody has. Yeah, and I don't think he directed no, yeah. it. Marvel and Humans made more money at the theater than <laughs> through the Looking Glass. That's <laughs> a lie. <laughs> Nothing made. Less money than Nickelodeons, the old timey Nickelodeons, not counting for inflation, made more money than Marvel's yeah, documents. That's fun. Uh, <laughs> I was going to put this out there as an episode as we review Inhumans oh. for the show, but here's here's I would do it. Here, he, here's the thing. This is what I'm proposing. I will watch it with you, Paul. Okay. So I wa- we we watch it. You have somebody to like joke around okay. with while you watch it. And while I'm down in Florida, I will watch it with Chris. <laughs> I will double watch that mother yep. to review it. Uh, I I don't want to commit to that because I I feel like we're gonna have a busy time. I mean, I'm up for Chris. watching it eventually, but I don't know if it's gonna happen. But then that. again. You guys on your on your holidays, you guys take it easy in slow morning. We do take a slow morning. Where a lot of like we watch all of Gallivant. We did watch all of Gallivant. We watch all of uh, Twisted. We get home in the evening. We put on like we can watch half of it and watch the other half another night. We watch Supergirl. We it, we, we do a lot if of it, TV if it, if it happens. If it happens, well, I'll watch it with you, Chris. So you don't have to watch it alone. Yeah. Nobody should have to watch that alone. <laughs> um, but Paul, just just as a heads up, yeah, Listen. the thing does have Kurt Russell in it. I don't know how you feel about I like that, Kurt Russell. And it, yes, the proper phrase is "I love Kurt Russell." Oh, and it it is John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, so you might have those echoes of Escape from New York in it. I, you realize I have not seen that movie. You've never seen Escape what, from New what? York or L.A. Well, you don't need to see L.A. L.A. is really bad. You've seen Big Trouble in Little China, though. Yeah, because we said that was an episode. We That was the first time you watched that? Yes! Yes! That was a whole episode. That's why we did that whole episode. That's why I feel like the commentary didn't work for it, because Paul had never seen it before, so we were too, like, adherent to him actually watching the movie than just, like, talking during it. Man. We watched it in the basement. Yeah. Do you ever see They Live from John Carpenter? 
Is that the one where it's Rowdy Rowdy, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper? Yes, Rowdy Rowdy Piper's in it. The, the, where he takes a lawnmower? No. <laughs> no, which one is that's that? One? Dead that's Dead Alive. Dead that's alive. not with. That that's that's a New Zealand picture without Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Okay. <laughs> no, um, Dead Alive. Oh, not Dead Alive. Yeah, because the titles um, are not. They Live is the very, like, anti consumerist. Yeah. Um, like, they're aliens. He's a homeless. Rowdy Rowdy Piper's like a homeless person. He shoots up a bank. Keith Davis. Great fight scene between Keith Davis, voice of it's like uh, a half hour long, uh, voice of uh, Goliath from Gargoyles, and also Captain Anderson from the Mass Effect franchise. There you go. You know your Keith you Davis, <laughs> and also star of NBC's The Cape. Was he in that? He, he was the yes. star of it because nobody remembers that other guy that was in it. Uh. And he's the guy that gives the other guy the cape. Did, have, oh, what do you have against John Carpenter's movies? Just, have you seen the original Halloween? No. I saw the one in Thieves. The Rob Phoenix, Zombie the that Rob we, Zombie one, yeah. we reviewed. I saw, so you've never seen the original? No. With Christopher, I can't see what else with, John uh, Carpenter's done just so I can run it through no. with Paul. Ghost of Mars? Yeah. Have you seen no. Ghost of Mars? Ghost of Mars is great. Yeah. No. <laughs> Was I see that did you when see they're on me- Mars? Did you see Memoirs of the Invisible Man? No. Chevy Chase plays the Invisible Man? Does he? Yeah. Does he fall down a lot? Uh, he does. Oh. You should see him eating. You see food digesting. Oh. Director. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we got a lot of comic books to read. Escape from New York, The Thing, Big Trouble in China. No, listen. I'm getting punchy. John Carpenter is more important. Oh. Okay. We got five books to review. I really yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, is there any other? Another, do we need? Wait, wait, wait. Do we need another beer? Because ours is opened and we are drinking it. Okay, let me go get mine quick. I'll be right back. All right. And our last beer for the evening, because it's getting late, is Warbacher's Sinsanity. This is barley wine ale. Eight- <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading. Why did we become Michael Caine? This is Bali wine. beer. <laughs> Aged in bourbon barrels with cinnamon. Aged in your father's bourbon barrels. <laughs> They're not just your bourbon barrels. They were your father's bourbon barrels. The cinnamon blew the dolls down. Put the bloody doll. <laughs> it's good. We're drinking it. <clears throat> uh, no, so it's the first sip, man. It is like a whole explosion of cinnamon. Uh, I don't get a huge big burst of cinnamon. I get the cinnamon. It's very, uh, I wouldn't say muted, but it is well-balanced in there. Um, it definitely leaves a nice uh, cinnamoniness on your palate. Um, <clears throat> this, I feel like I walked through a whole aisle of cinnamon brooms after taking a sip of this. The thing, the thing about this is uh, how smooth this beer is for 13%. Uh and it was um, what, what I do like about Weyerbacher is they put so this was bottled on three seven seventeen and you can cellar this till three seven twenty two. Mm. Um, this is something I know Paul's been he he's loved this. Uh, he bought it for the show, drank all, all he drank he drank a four pack, then bought a second four pack, and no. drank two of those right. No, this is the only four-pack I've had. We've had had it was on it the Sunday show. Sunday morning you bought two? Yeah. Okay. Sunday morning I bought two. This one, I only had the one four-pack. I had had it on the show before, 
but that was during a not episode that nobody else was on the show with me other than our uh, friend of the show, uh, Katie. Katie, talking about Wonder Woman before Wonder Woman came. So out. that episode nobody listened to. So nobody knows. Well, I don't. I think people listen to it. Okay, it's a not episode. People like not episodes. Hmm. We haven't had a review on iTunes in three years, so I don't know. <laughs> so if I take three weeks off from doing the show, screw them. I haven't had a review in three years. Uh, this beer is very sure. smooth. Um, yep. Yeah, Johnny, you're drinking a lot more of it. I I, 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 it goes. Down, it is, it's super drinkable. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, it's kind of like if you di- if you dissolved. Um, you know when you have. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, mm-hmm. and then you get that really cinnamony milk on the bottom. But not sweet. Uh, if you took that cinnamony spice there and then just mixed it into a barley wine, that's what you got here. It's, it's, I think it's more of Red Hots. See, I don't like Red Hots. I like this. Mm. I don't like that like hot, hot cinnamon. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, it's, it's really well balanced. It's really good. I have uh, one or two bottles of this in my cellar. Um do we hold on to these? Because I, so. I can hold on to those for a year to two years. I don't know if we're going to make to to uh, seven twenty two, but I don't know if anybody's going to make it to seven twenty two. It might be cockroaches drinking my beer. Um, but no, this is really good. And uh, Chris, what are you drinking, bud? Uh, I am also drinking a beer. Mm. <laughs> I was going to try to find a way to like segue it, and, like tie it into yours. Uh, I can't. Um, this is all coming at me from Cloud Shoes, and this is the barista. It's their breakfast brown ale, and this is brewed with espresso, oatmeal, and milk sugars. And everything about this on the label sounds like right up my alley. Um, what I actually wound up drinking is something of a lesser founder's breakfast out. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, this is still very nice, very drinkable. Uh, to put into the price perspective, this bomber was six dollars. I I don't fault it. It's very nice. I will continue to drink it and enjoy it for what it is. It's got like a really nice uh, coffee up front on it. Oatmeal gives it a really nice mouthfeel. Um, chocolate, I can't pick that one up too much. It's a lot of just like the the coffee on it. It might be some like chocolate malt on it that kind of round out the flavor that I'm just not picking up yet. Um, been a busy night of drinking, um, but it's not bad. It's not my favorite clown shoes beer, but it's not my least favorite. So it's got that going for it. I've had the barista before. It's yeah. I, I, I kind of put it in a similar vein. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, just took another sip and it's not bad. Like I could see myself easily drinking this bomber tonight, but I'm going to look at it quick because I failed to before. 8.5% ABV, so oh it's God. it's not like big, but it's the biggest beer of the ones that I've had tonight. Um, and I had two of the Gourds Gone Wild and then like a glass and a half of the Full Sail Oatmeal. So, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll end with this one. Save the rest for tomorrow. Why not? Well, you know what we can't say for tomorrow? Our comic book reviews. People have been waiting for so long for them. And uh, we agreed we were going to start off with the Star Wars, correct? So we're doing Nightwing, The New Order. 
Are we starting off with Nightwing <clears throat> New Order first? I'm okay with starting off with Nightwing the New Order. I I don't have a lot to say about it, but I think it still bears discussion. Hey, it's Elseworlds. Uh, Guys, DC's doing Elseworlds stories again. Yeah. I, I didn't catch that. Uh, as I started reading it, I thought this was a tie-in to the metal. <laughs> and I was kind of annoyed that Chris was making me read this. And no, then like I, I haven't bought anything tied into the metal. So and then okay. uh, a few pages in, I went, hey, this is like an Elseworlds. Then I went back to the front of the book and was like, oh, yeah, I'm right. It is an Elseworlds. Uh, yeah, and this is Nightwing, the New Order, number one. This is part uh, one of six. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Trevor McCarthy, and this takes place in the not-too-distant future of the DC Universe, where Dick Grayson is leading a group called the Crusaders, who are out there to take out people, or at least keep them subdued. Um, but people With that have meta- metaphysical like, abilities uh, because of an incident that happened in the more recent DC universe that they haven't really talked about too much yet. Um, but yeah, that's the bare bones of this. It's being told by Dick Grayson's future son. Uh, we're kind of hearing him tell this tale and it's a older and somewhat not really too grizzled Dick Grayson living in the, the future of the DC universe leading up a task force. It's a it's a Nightwing that's no longer the optimist. He's now become much more of a pragmatist. He's like, no, I, I gotta. I, I feel like he's a realist at that yeah. point. Okay, yeah, realist, pragmatist. Uh, he's saying that sometimes we have to do the wrong thing for the right reason. He says it in a better way, but that's basically the gist. It's like sometimes we we make the hard choices to save the people we love. And he's made a choice to eliminate all superpowers in the United States, to basically uh, inject people with inhibitors to stop their metahuman powers. Uh, and if the inhibitors don't work, they are locked away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody is breaking in and destroying inhibitors and trying to keep uh, what Dick Grayson's kind of goal is. They're trying to negate that. Yeah. Well, the um, West. Yeah. Oh, uh, were we keeping it a secret? I don't know. We're reviewing the book. No, uh, spoilers are always on the table yeah. when, we do, when we do this. Um, they, just, they just can't seem to get them. I enjoyed this book. It's just fast. I enjoyed this book. I wouldn't mind seeing where is it go where it goes, but I didn't love this book. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's interesting for a trade. If the trade was on sale, this is a good trade to pick up. This would be a fun... It's a fun Elseworld story. Yeah, it would definitely be something I would bring for a trade-in policy. I'm less interested with the kid aspect. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so interested in reading the story of his kid, and, you know, that might change with number two. Um, but what really kind of struck me about this book when I started reading because I, I really wasn't looking forward to it. I know this was one of my picks for the list a few episodes ago. But even then, when I picked it, it was kind of one of those, like, oh, I might pick it up for a look back, but I'm, I'm really not married to this book. But when I was reading it, it kind of struck me more like the early 2000s Nightwing. Hmm. E- even though it's still tonally different, I felt 
like this is more in line with that Nightwing that I kind of got back into comics and really loved uh, Dick Grayson character than I've been getting in the Rebirth New 52, whatever we want to call it. Earth Zero, I think, is like the new designation for it. Uh, but this is a Dick Grayson that's <clears throat> trying to do what's right. He's still palling around with Alfred, even though Bruce is gone. He's raising his son Solo. The mother's not there, but we can kind of infer who it might be based off the end. Uh, I feel like this is a good character study of Dick Grayson. It might not be the best story, but the more I got into it, the more I was kind of like, okay, no, like I, I can appreciate it even if I don't like it. Um, and that's, that's kind of why I was okay with talking about this because it kind of fell off the table when we were talking about books to read for this month. Uh, the other thing too, is just uh, to piggyback on your Dick Grayson talk is even though it's Dick Grayson, who's stopped all these superheroes and, He's head of this task force. You know, he's like, he's the commissioner kind of a thing with this. It still feels like Dick Grayson. Yeah. It's, he still moves, he still acts, he still talks like Dick Grayson, even though this is the, like you said, he's supposed to be a little more grizzled, but he's as grizzled as Dick Grayson could get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's what I liked about this book is it's a, it's Dick Grayson mm-hmm. and it's, it's, written well um at least his aspect of the of of this book is written well um the kid stuff feels a little shoehorned you could guess what was coming up Mm -hmm. um but no it was i like it like i didn't love it i liked it like you said i I mm -hmm. like this book more than i thought i was going to but like like paul said like i wouldn't i wouldn't expect you chris to buy issue two if you bought it i would read it but if I saw this on sale as a trade, I'd pick it up in a heartbeat yeah. just to read to finish reading it. And it's a quick read. Like I yeah. read three different issues of of Nightwing, all the wrong issues. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, uh, no, I, I the do, miniseries. Like, I oh. mean, complete sidebar, but I did like the issue with him and Wally. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a bro down. Like it's it's two buds hanging out, and I think that's something that we really don't get. In DC right now, like they are bringing back a little bit of that legacy, but I, I feel like they've kind of overlooked the no, we're we're friends, and I think that's what we've been getting from anything that Wally does appear, and it's him rekindling those relationships and kind of bringing that to the forefront of the story, and so much of I think what makes Dick Grayson work as a character is is his family. Yeah. And we do get to see that with, a, like, a still-alive Alfred appearing in this. But then also his, <laughs> excuse me, his his future, quote-unquote, son appearing in this too. And it's when this became the family book that I was like, yeah, this this is Dick Grayson. It's, it's the guy that's running this organization that's still out there on the streets chasing down Dr. Light. But then he makes it home in time for dinner to, to sit down with his kid. Like it's it's Dick Grayson through and through. And Dick Grayson is best when he's the cool uncle. Yeah. And that's he's the cool uncle of the DC universe. Like everybody goes to him. Like 
He's mature enough to have advice, but he's young enough to not have the best advice. Uh, you know? <laughs> he, he will warn you about you, that you're doing something wrong, but then he'll also take you out for underage drinks. Right. You know, like he'll... <laughs> Yeah. Like, he'll stop you from hitting a bad guy with a crowbar when he has a bucket on top of his head. <laughs> Damien Wayne, you son of a bitch. Uh, but, you know, he'll also be like, no. I mean, if you're going to do it here, use this wooden spoon. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's use this instead. Uh, uh, anyone have anything else to say about it? No, I think we we spoke good enough about it. Uh, art was worth a read. I really do. uh, What what was the price on it? Um, Since it is part of a miniseries, I want to say the first issue was four ninety nine. It's not not Marvel. It couldn't be that. It it was. I know it was a little bit more, um, but I picked it up just as something because. I want to talk about it. Um, if it's at two ninety nine, no, sorry, it was three ninety nine. Yeah, I would wait for the. It's it's worth the read at the trade. In fact, I want to put a reminder to pick it up in trade when it comes out. And the art, the art worked. Um, the art did a you know it did a good job when it's showing him like jumping on across buildings and stuff. Yeah. I, I I feel like Dick Grayson is one of those characters that you need to be able to represent him as a person, not just as Nightwing. Because uh, you, you show me this artwork and I can be like, oh yeah, that's that's Dick Grayson. You know, it's not just another dude with dark hair wearing a mask that I can tell as Nightwing. I, I see this art and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's Dick Grayson. You know what, uh, what chart I had a little trouble following the movement of? Oh my gosh! Star Wars Mace Windu. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about this book just to get it out of the way, but then at the same time, I didn't want to talk about this book because then I would have to discuss the fact that I I purchased it. All right. I'm I'm glad that we're all on the same page with this because I thought I was going to come in and take a huge shit on some things that somebody liked. Oh wait, that's what this book did to me. And that chat was brought to you from Star Wars Jedi of the Republic Mace Windu number one, written by Matt Owens with art by Dennis Cohen. And on paper, this sounds like a great book. It's the continuing or available for the first time stories of the Jedi Master Mace Windu within the Clone Wars, um, battling against separatist forces with an elite group of hand-selected Jedi. It's uh, Mace Windu going on a secret Jedi mission with some other cool Jedis. And guess what? But it's, it's not interesting. It's so bad. This is the Dark Horse comicsing of the Marvel Star Wars. Up until this point, I be- really believe that we've gotten some of the best stuff from Star Wars uh, in, in comic books. But this book is... It sounds great on paper, like a lot of Dark Horse stuff did. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to read it, the art is bad, the story is bad, and there's nothing redeeming about it. And no, I don't think the story's bad. It's just a story that I've seen played out in like 60-some-odd episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. But but that's the thing. Like You 
give us story. like a fan favorite Jedi Master with Mace Windu. You say like he's getting to pick a hand selected team of Jedi that are going to this planet um, that the Separatists are going to be using almost as a like a staging ground for like their next strike. <laughs> like I'm just like at the page, and he picks Kip Fisto, who is one of the most awesome Jedi that we know almost nothing about. And, like, Except he and then two other just like Star Wars Force battles. Yeah, and then like two other Jedi that can be like blaster fodder. Who who cares? But th- one's good with machines, just... Chris, and one's blind, and the other's blind. One's Leonardo, one's Donatello, this window's <laughs> Raphael. And then uh, the other one's Michael Mike, Kipiso's Michelangelo. Oh, I, Kipiso's so like Michelangelo. Yeah, I, I was so excited for this book because, you know, I I really enjoyed the uh, Gendy Tarkovsky Clone Wars, like those short, like okay. three five minute episodes focusing on the different Jedi during the Clone Wars. You say, hey, you're going to get to get more Mace Windu, and it's going to be him being a badass. Yeah, sign me up. This book, though, just, it didn't deliver anything. And then, I'm okay with a first issue not delivering a lot if it's good setup. But this isn't good setup, and then it doesn't even have good art. It has, like, a fallback. Like, well, at least it looks amazing. It's, this is weak all around. And I felt bad as I was reading this, because I was like, this is my least favorite Star Wars book. I paid like six dollars for the Star Wars droids book two months ago, but even at the end of it, I was like, "No, like these are fun little stories. I, I could see just picking this up on its own and enjoying it." This, there's nothing redeeming to it. Mm-hmm. This, the one, what broke me was when the blind guy uh, jumps onto the one droid, slits a. Uh, Cuts it down and says, "Just don't take my apprehension for fighting as not inability to fight." And then I guess Mace Windu or Kid Fisto, uh, it must have been Kid Fisto, it chops off an arm of another droid. But it's so but unclear in the, in what the happens. Hotel, it looks like he's just standing next to it. Yeah, it's so on. And then the guy, the blind guy, is like, "Oh, thanks for having my back there." And I'm like. Wait, what happened? And I'm looking at that panel over and over again, trying to figure out, okay, I guess Kit Fisto saved him there somehow. Well, even, like, the one where the blind guy, like, jumps and he, like... That's exactly the panel. That's the panel you're talking about? That's exactly the panel. Fuck fuck if I know. What really happened was I read probably... What I thought I read half of this book, and I was like... And I stopped reading, but I was only, like, three pages away from actually finishing this book. Because I was just like, you know what, I had I had to stop reading because I was I was waiting for my wife or something, and then I was like, you know what, I don't need to go back to this because I'm just gonna talk shit about this book. There's nothing redeeming about this. It should be super. It should be super badass. The cover is is Mace Windu like blasting several droids away with uh, force powers. And then even his name has that little purple hue to the Mace Windu, like his lightsaber. And I'm like, man, this is going to be great. Does it? Yeah, it does. You're colorblind, Paul. Yeah. John, you and I both picked this book as our pick for the list. Like, yeah. 
in, when in, it came out. In like, and, and you were the one like, don't worry, John. I got this. I'm buying this book. And I was like, hey, okay, I'll just enjoy reading it. And now I'm glad that I didn't spend the money. Uh, I, I buy enough wanna... bad books. I don't need more. This, this was $4. I I could have bought like a whole bag of Coran Cerritos for that party <laughs> size. Um, but, Paul, I do want to like confer with you for a second. Okay, yeah, yeah. The droid that appears at the end, ADW4, is that the droid that you picked as one of your no. like top Star Wars characters? HK forty seven. Okay, I couldn't I couldn't remember its designation because I your killer. Thought HK. When I got to the end of this book, that that was the droid that you picked, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool for Paul. Like, cause <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone else would care. Okay, but it, this book doesn't even have that going for nope. it, so I completely write it off. Then I'm gonna jump to the end and. I, like place. I don't I don't understand how ADW this advanced destructive weapons for I don't understand how this book got made how this book got through everything how they went okay you know the art's not great uh but you know what we're charging a premium people are really loving what we're doing with those other Star Wars books they'll love this this is just really it's it is bad it's badly drawn everything about it i, um, I don't want to jump ahead to talk about the next book yet actually um, chris i just want to mention this I, i'm on wikipedia wikipedia right now mm-hmm. ad w4 is was created and only appears in this comic oh see like that's not even like a cool thing then yeah so this book is even worse mm-hmm I feel like they had such a great thing going for this book. I mean, Mace Windu is one of those just characters that you want to see more of from the prequels. They could have done anything with him. You put him with a team of hand-selected Jedi, it should be cool. It should be like a dirty dozen Jedi-type book. Uh, Yeah, I'm just... just, I'm really glad... I'm really glad they didn't sully the name of Plukun in this oh, book. Oh, but he was in it for like a page. Though. I know. And then that guy oh. with the um, the the stupid head that he's having tea with in the beginning. Oh, um, I'm blanking on his name, but like Key Eddie Mundy. Yeah. What yeah. I really love is, I, w- I really would have loved them to like, he's having tea, like Mace Windu is having tea with a hologram. But then he gets called to like some meeting, and I would have loved to have him, him gone to the meeting and the guy be sitting in the meeting. I would have laughed so hard, but he is a hologram in the meeting. But it would have been so funny. I would have laughed really hard about that. I still do. Like I'm laughing now about it. But it's seriously my least favorite of all the Star Wars comic books that we've come out with so far. It's garbage. Hey, but let's talk about uh, Star Wars. Captain Phasm. (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi, Captain Phasma, number one. Uh, and this is written by Kelly S. Thompson with art by Marco Cicchetto. And this is basically telling the story of what happened to Captain Phasma after she was put into the trash compactor by Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, great character that everyone kind of wanted to see more of in the movie than we actually got. And we're kind of getting that untold story. And this is all from Phasma's perspective. As Starkiller Base is 
basically about to be destroyed around her uh, through her official records as she's chasing down someone that is responsible for dropping the shield around Starkiller Base. Some, yeah, she's taking... She's like, I love that moment in this book where she's like, yeah, I got... First things first, this base is getting blown up. That's fine. I got to destroy all records of me dropping them shields. <laughs> and then she's like walking away from the panel and she's like, oh shit, what if somebody already checked this record? Oh, that guy done did. <laughs> I'm gonna get him now. And that, that's, that's this book. And then it's about her trying to kill this, this fall guy, this sap. <laughs> uh, well, the base is blowing up going. around her. Well, Kylo Ren is having a lightsaber fight. Well, the ground is cracking beneath her. Uh, and it's drawn very nicely. Uh, Marco Cicciano, he did the Anakin and Obi-Wan book. Mm-hmm. I think this dude's awesome. Like, he does great Star Wars artwork, and the fact that he can kind of, like, bounce around from, like, Star Wars book to Star Wars book, and every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, this, this book looks great. That, that's impressive. Um, just to kind of go back, he did the Star Wars Shattered Empire that was written by Greg Rucka. He did this book. He did Obi-Wan and Anakin. He did the Morbius the Living Vampire book that I picked up like three years ago. He did a couple uh, issues of like the Star Wars proper book. He did the Dr. Afro book. Um, he did some Scarlet Spider stuff. I feel like this is kind of one of those artists that I should be paying attention to, but he's flown under the radar because he's been on Daredevil for like three years doing like fill-in stuff. He did some of the Ghost Rider book that came out like two years ago. Like this guy, this guy deserves my attention. I think. Yeah, in the the book, I mean, it's nothing like profound. It's uh, Captain Phasma trying, like, like trying to kill this dude. But things, obstacles keep popping up in her way, and her just being like, oh, come on, and then jumping over that obstacle. And then something else happens, and then she's like, all right, well, I'll kick it in the balls, and I'll get it past it this way. And, like, <laughs> it's her just, like, stuff. Even one of those days. Stuff going wrong, but she <laughs> still, she still overcomes what like what is over there but it, like there's just another hurdle for her to keep going over jumping over mm-hmm. uh and that's like kind of what i liked about this book and she's taking a log the whole time and like even the one part of her log is like oh i gotta hunt down and kill this guy uh kylo ren's having a lightsaber fight in this forest back to my mission <laughs> like <laughs> like she's just she and she leaves him she doesn't give a shit about yeah, him she just keeps going at approximately fifteen twenty-five, i witnessed kylo Ren and an unknown opponent in the south southeast woods battling with lightsabers. Boom! Crack. And Continued exploration. Such, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Phasma is such a strong part of all of the marketing and the merchandising from The Force Awakens that everyone's like, "Oh, this character is going to be badass!" Like she's like the commander of the First Order stormtroopers. I can't wait to see what she does. And she appears, like, twice in the movie, and that's it. Mm-hmm. We might get more in Last Jedi. Like, who knows? Like, I look forward to it. She Ooh. has that cool, you know, spear fight with uh, Finn in the trailer. I-, I feel like this is the character that we should have gotten 
in uh, Force Awakens, but then at the same time, after reading this book, I was like, oh, she might be the new trilogy's Boba Fett, where you see her and she's really cool and you want more, but they don't do anything with her, but then as soon as you see her in the expanded universe stuff, you're like, oh yeah, she's okay. Yeah, because right here, she's kind of the she kind of sucks at her job. She has one person to kill. Just one. I know, but like that... Oh, the door closed. Oh, the earth shook. The planet I'm on shook a little bit, so I missed my sniper fight. She had him oh. lined up, though, dude. This happened. Yeah, but I'm really... like it. Next, next issue, it's her on this cliff with, like, octopus tentacles coming out. And her her cape is all tattered, and there's a Tie Fighter behind her. I'm like, okay, bring on this next issue. Let's yeah, but go. Anytime a Tie Fighter is behind anybody or in front of anybody <laughs> in a trailer, trailer or cover, it's not going to appear in the actual story. <laughs> she left in that one. Tie Fighter. She's at least going to land it on this octopus planet. <laughs> um, if we hadn't read Mace Windu. This may have been, like, my second least favorite of the Star Wars books. After Droids. Um, so this is your third least favorite. My third least favorite. Yeah. But, like, just even talking about it, this is a decent story of a character that I did want to know more about. And I kind of want to read more about leading up to Last Jedi, even though I don't know how much of her will get in that movie. Um, I, I, this is one of those books that going back to it again kind of made me rethink it. I kind of dig this book. Uh, you know what? I would like this book more, but it's okay. Maybe, maybe the rest of the series will be better because this is Captain Phasma having one of those days. She's having a really rough day. Getting, getting oh, she's like Darth Vader, uh, middle manager. <laughs> yeah. This is. First, the day starts off pretty correct, pretty well. You know, they just you know decided to uh, drain a star and blow up uh, the home system of the the rebel or the alliance or whatever. Alderaan. Of, no, not Alderaan, but wherever the uh, Coruscant and whatever. And uh, you know, pretty good day. Whatever then, happened to Alderaan? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> episode four. This is this is a different planet though. Where. <laughs> Uh, where, where Martha is? <laughs> the Senate, the uh, the uh, Republic Senate gets blown up. So she's having a pretty good day. Everything's going well, and then she gets the jump on. She got jumped up by uh, the anxiety-ridden, incapable traitor, FN uh, whatever. Thrown in the garbage chute. Uh, two, two one eight seven, I think, is his number. Then might in, be wrong, but then thrown in the garbage chute. And then she just... Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb, Robin. It's like that. <laughs> That's what I kept on thinking of like during this. And it's like, okay, well, the more and more this character's become more and it's, more of it's, a shop. It's the Big shop. Lebowski meeting uh, Star Wars. It's, it's like, yeah. It's Still like the, the dude's the car. More, the more we talk about this book, the more I come, uh, I come to appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I, like, I liked... I, like... Yeah, it's having a bad day. Like, but she keeps the obstacles keep come popping up, and she keeps going over them. Like, she just keeps going. She's mm-hmm. she's barely overcoming them, though. She's 
there's an earthquake and she's about to fall into lava and she's like got there. She missed the zip line. She missed the shot, zip lines, and then slides down the line using her gun. Uh And then gets like she lands on a dude, a broken dude's collarbone, and then just gets up and is like, fuck that dude, and just keeps going. And then she's like, hey, I'm taking this ship. Tell this fucking robot to stop looking at me. Like she's it's it's fun. Like it's you you think it makes her more of a badass. I keep on thinking, man, it makes her feel more and more like a loser. Like Things just can't go... Like, she can't get things done. Like, I can't trust her with any project right now. I gave you one person to kill. Hey, she's supposed to get to point A from A to B, and she got to A to B. Two, actually, it's two people she screwed up yeah, on. Yeah, but this is just she, like... She screwed up on FN. Finn. She was supposed to get him to uh, rehabilitation or whatever, reprogramming. The guy escapes with the freaking pilot. The, the she delegated that. She delegated that task to someone else. Yeah, that was a major project that should have been handled by her. That she delegated, and it all went to shit. And now that base is blown up because of who? Captain Phasma. You think she's a spy? What? Maybe she's a spy. I think she's actually a good guy. You think she's a spy? I think she's a spy. I think you've been paintlining too much of her uh, resistance. (laughs) I think she's a spy. (laughs) Anyway, moving on, because we got two more books to talk about. It's 10.15. Uh, oh, geez. My, fi- my final book for uh, this month is also from Marvel, and this is Runaways, number one, written by Rainbow Roll with art by Chris Anka. And this is continuing the tale of our titular Runaways. Um, they've, they've been, quote-unquote, together for a while, but they're not together anymore until... One of them shows up holding another one dying in the arms of one of them to the other who's in current continuity. What? I don't know. It makes sense. Uh, This is a book series that I uh, never finished the first volume. It never never grabbed me. Ooh. Uh, I listen. You you let me borrow it. I could I could I did never finished it. I bought it myself because you guys talk so highly about it. I couldn't get. It just didn't. It just didn't. I just didn't grab me. I know a lot about these characters from listening to you guys over the last <laughs> ten years. It's really only where any of this stuff kind of fits together for me. Um, so this was an enjoyable read with knowing very little about any of these characters and it allows you to kind of get a grasp of at least what some of these characters powers are they they kind of fill you in on all of that i think it's well done as a new number one you can if you don't know anything about these characters you learn enough about them in this and it's not it's it it flows really well. I I enjoyed I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was just a nice read. Mm-hmm. And it looked good. That make that makes me happy to hear because I came into this as a runaways fan but still thinking as someone that does a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways where I was like this doesn't really seem approachable as a number one while you're trying to market a Hulu show 
based off of this series. So, Paul, I, I kind of want to hear what you have to say next. I didn't really love the look of the book, but I, I think I'm really glad we're talking about this book right after Captain Phasma, because this is Nico just having one of those days. <laughs> yeah. I just cannot find the right spell, guys. Like, it's her, it's people, it's, she's, she should be pretty much old hat at this power, but unfortunately with her power, the more custom she's is to use it, the harder it is for her to use the power because, you know, she can only use the same spell once. And it's, so it gets really tricky when she's run through every single healing spell she's possibly could, you know, she's like, did I use heal before? Of course I would have said heal before. It's, it's that problem we've all had of when we're trying to remember the five names of something. Like if we're trying, if you're trying to list off all seven dwarves and you're counting on your fingers and you're like, did I say grumpy yet? Yeah, I would have started off with grumpy. Why am I at six? Who am I forgetting then? And you're like, so I, I kind of felt that same, same sense of anxiety and dread that the character was, and I thought it was portrayed well because it came across well. I'm like, oh, I exa- know exactly how these characters are feeling. I uh, feel bad for that podiatrist that got called in. I thought mm-hmm. it was—it's a comedy of errors book, it with a very serious with life and death ha- hanging in the balance, which was a weird juxtaposition for me because it feels. It was all coming off a little... It could have come off way too slapsticky with it starting to rain and the frogs and everything coming out. But it's it managed to stay just on the right side of it. Oh, definitely. I mean, you... How, is this person going to die in the in the, in the in the kitchen? It's It was stressful. It was... It yeah. had enough stress, but it had enough lightness, and it was balanced well enough, and... This book could have fell apart at any moment. It would that that knife's edge that was in Gert that whole time. That's where the story was lying. Like it could have fallen either way, and it it actually did well. It, it was really good. I wish the art. You know, I'm such a fan of the original look of all these characters that Nico doesn't look quite like Nico. I don't know. I liked the look of the book. I liked the coloring. I liked everything about it. I felt like it was a little flat. I I think the look is okay for this book. Um, I mean, Runaways has always had kind of an eclectic look to it. Every arc, Mm -hmm. every artist that's done something has had their own style, and they've done the book to their to their strengths. And I, I like Christopher Anka's art. He's fantastic. Uh, I just want a more Is that so wrong? I, I don't know if I like him on this book, as weird as that might be to say, because he has a great style and he does great character work, but I think it's kind of more suited to like pinups or or still art. Like when you're trying to tell a story with it. I think it kind of falls apart because I was excited when I saw that he was going to be doing this book because his art is downright gorgeous. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like as a whole, this book I did enjoy it, but reading it as a Runaways number one, if I was 
just Joey Comics walking off the street to be like, oh, hey, here's the number one. Let me read this. It does give you a quick run-up of like, hey, here's who these characters are. It doesn't do a good job of making you care about them. Like, literally, I'm on page number five of reading this on Comixology, which is technically like page three because you have your cover and then your uh, uh, creator credits. And then you're already thrown into Chase showing up holding Gert's dying body. And then, go ahead, story. If I was just picking this up fresh, I I feel like I'd be like, oh, there's relationships, there's characters, I don't care. Read this as a Runaways fan, like, alright, I, I know where I'm at. But as a comic book reviewer, and I consider myself as a historian, I think this just isn't approachable. And John, that's why I was kind of happy to hear like your review of it, because I think this book is just kind of obtuse when it comes to like a jumping on point. I, well, it is. I think you're right, Chris. That is up to as far a jumping on point. But the story is just two two characters trying to save the third character in the room. You feel like that doctor that just gets yeah. pulled into it, and that's all. And that's all a reader really needs to be at. And I think that's the level John was at. He was the doctor that was pulled in the room, but it worked because there was enough going on. Yeah, but as, as soon as it gets into that, like, well, here's the alternate history of Gertz dying in a fire, and I jump in and command old Lace to, like, carry me out while I saved her. Like, that's a deep cut. That's time we you know, me. But here's the thing is, I didn't know that that raptor's name was old Lace. Mm-hmm. I followed that just fine. Like, it didn't, it didn't jar me at all. Um... Being somebody who I I never even read to that character showing up. Fuck man! Like, in the book, you just, you just surprised me on that. Then, and, so, and that's that's really cool. Like as a fan of the Runaways, to hear that, like you you got it, you cared. Like that's that's awesome, and I'm I, genuinely surprised though. It, I, to be honest, this is prob it was probably my one or two. Like, if wow. we rate, rate these. Ah, we're going to get to your number one right now. This is a book you probably didn't even finish, because I'm just looking at you, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about my pick for the month, and that is Marvel Legacy number one. Uh, this is a one-shot written by Jason Aaron, one of our favorites. Yep, Art by a, a cavalcade of artists, uh, but mostly Isab Ribic. Uh, Ribic. And uh, another one of our favorite artists from... You know, they teamed up on Thor, God of Thunder. Uh, but Steve McDivin, Russell Doggerman, Chris Omni, Stuart Erdman, the math is all there. There's a lot of people yeah. that did uh, panels on this. Because this is looking in at, like, basically all the different sections, the, well, a lot of different sections of the Marvel Universe right now in comics. And really talking about and thinking about their legacy. <laughs> the legacy. Um, they say legacy a lot in this book too. They do. Uh, this, the, I'll say this: this book ha- didn't have me at page one. Page like three, though, I was like, "Hey, look at all these 
crazy characters. Mm-hmm. And then it jumped back, it jumped to the present, and I was like, I don't give a fuck about oh, Ghost Rider. This isn't as great. <laughs> oh, now we got... Starting off with Ghost Rider was a rough choice. Now we got uh, female Iron Man, female Thor, and knockoff Captain America. Boy, they're really having a trouble cleaning up these guys in this in this warehouse. Okay, I, I do want to say when I started reading this book, I was just like, oh, this is one of those like freebies that Marvel would give out where it's basically just an advertisement for their next book coming out. And then, like, I kept going through it, and I was like, wait, how long is this book? And I was like, oh, 61 pages, okay. I should probably start paying more attention to it. Uh, I, where I really wanted to start off, guys, is the uh, two-page or three, I don't know how big of a cover it is, because it's digital. Uh, you see wh- how Marvel is representing their universe on Marvel Legacy number one. You have, you know, the X-Men, Avengers, this, you know, Spider-Man, Daredevil. And then the only Inhuman to be pictured is Lockjaw. Lockjaw. They're trying to distance themselves as much as they can from that TV show. Like, they got Ant-Man, the Wasp. They don't have any of the Guardians there, though. So, except for Captain Mar- I guess Captain Marvel's on the... She, yeah, she's kind of like the cosmic. intergalactic character, kind of. Well, I don't think this is to represent everybody because someone who definitely has legacy is Iron Fist, and he is not pictured in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even yeah, and even Ghost Rider, who obviously has some legacy in this book, is not pictured here as yeah, well. Yeah, because it starts off with uh, Thor Odin, o- Odin as with the hammer uh, that he has trouble with, teamed up with the Phoenix Ghost Rider. <laughs> An Iron Fist, Black Panther, some sort of oh, I, I guess got, he's, I guess he's Star Brand, which is kind of like a troll, which is a caveman Star Brand, uh, Sorcerer Supreme, and am I missing one? Who am I missing? No, I, I feel like Nico. Yeah, no, yeah, that's trying that's to save the Doctor. My favorite yeah. thing is like the Ghost Rider like rides around on a mammoth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's pissed that it's and they're battling a celestial. That then they kill, or think they kill, and gets buried at the center of the earth. And that's basically the center. The, the once, that's the A plot, is uh, then the new Ghost Rider, uh, Reyes. Right, Reyes? Yeah, Robbie. Robbie. Uh, he, he is suddenly the, the car is, something is drawing him, him to, to uh, find the Celestial. And Star Brand, who I don't know is a character at all in the Marvel Universe. Is like no, that sleeping celestial's life. Though he's being a dick about it and not actually saying, "Hey, it's a freaking he's celestial." Just, he's just fighting. Like, let's not wake that up. Let's keep it away. Let's stay away. Everything's cool, man. Like, just talk. Use your words. Why are you fighting all the time? We comic book trope. Uh, but there's also other beelines going on with uh, <coughs> got Loki. You got the. Collecting Infinity Gems. Mm-hmm. You got the return of Wolverine. This this book, all in all, because what John was saying, and I should have gotten back to this point real quick, and I'm sorry, I kind of tangent on myself, um, of Lady Thor, Lady Iron Man, and Falcon Cap. 
this book is selling the problem of, hey, guys, uh, we, we've gotten far and away from the characters that everybody knows and loves because we were telling stories that we thought were cool. And we, yeah, it's a problem. We're well, selling the problem. Well, but here's the thing on that, like, if you go in on that note, it's like, okay, here's these weird versions of the characters that you know and love. I'm going to Jason Aaron this and then go back to the beginning of time where you have Odin as Thor and then the actual Phoenix Force, a weird, like, anthropomorphic uh, Black Panther. Agamotto, who's the Sorcerer Supreme, they they go even farther back and introduce you to characters that didn't even exist to show you, like, no, like, this is all about legacy. And as I was reading this, I was like, oh, like, we're, we're seeing the original Avengers. And I was like, well, I don't know if I should even call them the Avengers, because I was like, hey, some of these characters weren't on the Avengers, but then as you have like the Sam Wilson Captain America and then Thor and then Ironheart being like, I, I guess we're the Avengers now. Say the thing. I was like, okay, no, yeah, like this is the legacy of Avengers. Uh, the, the thing that I have is the time frame with the one million years in the past. How did all these characters come together and some look like they're I mean the the Star Brand and Black Panther definitely look like they're Cro-Magnum? Cro uh, just a step like uh, uh, maybe a little hair after Cro-Magnum when we see the Cro-Magnum man trying to lift mm-hmm. the hammer like it's like I, the the time frame of all these characters don't level up like the a caveman magician like the sorcerer supreme like uh someone with the iron fist like are these people from other worlds and now are on the earth defending all of these things? Like that's something that I would have I, liked explained in the book. I think, we're I just think that might be like an issue two thing where it's like, no, these characters are the initiators of that legacy. And we just hadn't seen them before. And that, and, and, and I just, the thing that I have one of the biggest problems with is my favorite part of this book. Well, I, I, I think them, like, showing these characters for the first time, but then being that, like, zero point is like, oh, like, you, you already know them because this bald chick can talk about, like, Chi and the Undying, like, Shu Lao. Like, you, you already get like, oh no, she's an Iron Fist. Like, whatever Iron Fist you have read as your jumping on point Iron Fist, you already have like that knowledge and like, it's not hard for you to be like, oh no, there was something or someone before that that was Iron Fist. Like, I, I know Doctor Strange. I might not have read all of Doctor Strange, but I can recognize this dude that has the eye on his chest, Agamotto, as being the initial Iron Fist. Okay. This this dude's Black Panther? Oh, he's wearing a Black Panther head. Like, yeah, he's he's there. Okay. Evolution, you know, didn't... might have uh, 
might have happened at different. I just think there's at, a, at, to me know, different to, parts of the world. They'd have to be from um, other realms, and then they've come to this realm to protect it. Is kind of where I where I got from it, but I don't know. Maybe I mean, there's have... a lot more to this book to to dwell on than than just that. But the, that's the thing about this. That's the, definitely a line, but there's definitely b lines and c lines. Is uh, well, yeah, we, we, well, yeah, that's the a line. But so much of it, I think, is like b line Loki sending frost giants to like steal something that's an Infinity Gem. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that happens in this book. And it's all kind of interesting. Yeah, because, uh... Okay, I, I'm just very confused. It Marvel needs... This seems like it's the jumping-off point for how Marvel's going to reset itself. Yet, I'm, it doesn't answer any of the questions of, okay, what's the button? What, what are they hitting? Where's that Infinity Wall? Where's that... <laughs> Where's that Pandora box that they're opening that will actually I, create the reset? I think the button they hit is Loki getting, like, the Infinity Gems. Or is it... Because at I think it's end, Norman Osborn being defeated by shrubs. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or are we doing a complete Heroes Reborn? Sorry. I think that's entitled right there. Uh, <laughs> Norman Osborn defeated by shrubs. Oh my god, John, you broke me. <laughs> well, it happens in this book. At the very it end. Does. He, he just he just walks away so defeated. He's like, there's other powers that I can get. Stupid shrubs. Well, he's like, shrubs. next time I won't let the shrubs defeat me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Paul... Paul, your favorite thing from this book should be Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm shooting up a flare together. Yeah, saying, hey, hopefully we can bring it back to Fantastic Four if the world still needs us. <laughs> my, my thing is, those neither one of those Neanderthals have the technology to have a flare gun that shoots into a four. Come on. <laughs> Johnny Storm could do it with his uh, finger. It should have been the two of them having that conversation and then Johnny Storm flying yeah, up and it. making the four. Okay, that's a very nerdy But, I mean, pick, I ultimately, the, the book does end with um, Valerie and... Franklin. Franklin, thank you. Uh, being like, yep, let's do things on our weird space motorbikes. Oh, uh, yeah, they're they're doing family oh. of madcap Fantastic Four adventures with Sue and... Uh, and fuck, Reed. and I completely forgot, as I was, like, scrolling through it to get to that point, uh, uh, yeah... Logan's back, everybody. Yep. Yeah. Truck, truck driver Logan. Driving a truck driver full of what? Beer. Truck of beer. Just beer. Keeping it Fighting cold inside giants. that frost giant. <laughs> uh, the thing is... Um, I, I did... A, I, I appreciate that point, but then... Like, when you have the young Jean Grey finding the broken-apart adamantium... Yeah, cocoon, whatever you want to call it, and she's like, the one we've yep, missed here. Welcome back. She's she's missed him. How long did she know him for? Yeah, were they even alive during the same time? There's a young yeah. Logan running around. They, the old they Logan, did the, they an did old the man. No, the there's Adam a young one and an old man. There's a young Logan running yes. around now. Yes, sure is not his son. It, it might be his son, but no, I think it's his son, somebody different too. 
thought his son died as well. Drac? Drake? Uh, Dakin. Dakin. Uh, I, I, but I never read any of his books because I just I wasn't interested. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I feel like we shed upon this book a fair amount, but it was one of those books that, like, I started reading, I was like, uh... But then as I got through I was like, okay, I, I want to see where this goes. And then as I kept reading, I was like, well, no, they're going to spin this off into every Marvel book, and I won't keep up, and I won't care. But as a number one for a lead-up for whatever Marvel's going to be doing, I, I think Jason Aaron like did, did a great job. He made me care, and made me think about seeing where this went. It does touch base with like everybody everybody's books that are going to be spinning out of this. You know, they got the Captain America that uh Mark Wade is going to be writing, The Thing in the Human Torch oh, book. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, Black Panther, Hulk. I mean, there's a d- dead I pick for this week. Thor 700. Deadpool is in the middle of this book, sitting on a toilet being shot up for no reason. <laughs> You know, all the stupid yeah. X-Men books, you know, and then they have the legacy checklist. And, you know, like, nothing in this is, like, making me want to jump on anything from this. Um, the thing that I would be most interested in reading would be the young Odin in that crazy team. And finding out more about them, but and Black Panther does say in that all accounted for, all assembled. Yeah, so. uh, but that if there were any books, um, you know, Moon Knight is listed in here, which I know there's going to be a new writer on Moon Knight. I'd pick up the Moon Knight because I'm a fan of that character. We picked up every single <laughs> Moon Knight. For the past like three years. For the past couple of years, yeah, I've yeah. I've enjoyed them all. I I really I really do enjoy the different takes writers have on that crazy character. Uh, so picking up that book wouldn't be a problem, but if it's way too crazy of a tie into this legacy business, I don't need to do that because Jeff Lemire just nailed it with what he just wrote with the legacy of Moon Knight. I don't care. I don't need a big sprawling thing to reset your books because you're Marvel and you reset your books every 13 days. And it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that anything wrong was with was with this book. Everything was well drawn. Everything was well written. But it just... I don't... Marvel, I don't care. Get, get your shit together. Uh, and that's why Valerie and Franklin are off because I think they're going to basically pocket universe it again like here like heroes reborn like franklin created that pocket universe for everybody so <clears throat> we might be that might be the reset button franklin and valerie out there they might do but some you weird d- like alternate just shift the book back to what you quote unquote want it to be don't you don't need to you don't, re- need, to you don't need to reset everything just hey i'm falcon again and caps cap Hey, uh, the uh, awesome, totally awesome Hulk. Yeah. He's just uh, 
Because no fan. He's just that guy anymore. Banner's back. Banner's got this book. He's got this book. That book got canceled. Banner's still got his book. This is comic books. Mm -hmm. I don't need, like, these big overarching things to be shoehorned in for these resets. But how did these Cro-Magnum guys get together, John? That's what you asked at the very beginning. I asked at the very beginning. Because some of them don't look Cro-Magnum. But here's the thing is he put that idea in my head. I don't need that idea. I don't. I don't. John, that's going to be his old miniseries. But I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm not going to spend the money. I'm not going to spend four ninety nine because you know that's what they're going to charge. Oh, this was five ninety nine. Oh, yeah, but it was like sixty pages. It was. It was. You it, got a yeah. big book. I think book. I got. I got. You got money your money's, money's worth. worth. I, I will say you got pretty close to your money's worth. This was that. not droids. Uh, okay. Well, just to throw this out there, I mean, since it is a look back, and we have one, two, five books to talk about: Nightwing, the New Order, number one; Star Wars Jedi: The Republic; Mace Windu. Journey to Star Wars, Last Jedi, Captain Phasma, Runaways, Marvel Legacy, Power Rankings. Power Rankings. I'll go first. It's going to be Marvel Legacy, then Nightwing, then Runaways, then Captain Phasma, and lastly, Windu. Because I'm not going to say the whole titles. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fine. I just want to, like, state them. Just to state them. Uh, I think Phasma, number one. Wow. Runaways, number two. Ooh, that's more surprising. Nightwing, three. Legacy, four. And they're all relatively close. One through four, <laughs> they're really close. And then um, falling, the falling off the cliff. Uh, is that Mace Windu? Mace Windu, it's, it's awful. Nobody... Falling out a window. Much like he does yes. in episode three. You know what? If I if I read that book, I would be Anakin being like, no! And like cutting him and shooting him out the window. Because fuck you, that. You would be like, this party's over. I'd be like, fuck that dude. Where's the shark to eat this dude? Like, done. Game over. That book. Uh, fuck gosh, it. I would go Eddie's. Marvel Legacy. Okay. Wow. Runaways. Wow. Kept. I, I, are you surprised? Yes, I, I thought it would be number three. No, I'm sorry. Marvel Legacy, it was kind of a weird story that I don't think it needed to be told. But for the most part, it was really well done. And then you have just kind of those interstitials like Deadpool that you feel like are just kind of like shoehorned in because people some like people it. like Deadpool. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, uh, Marvel Legacy, number one, Runaways, Phasma, Nightwing, and then, yeah. Mace Windu, final. Uh, uh, like, a lap behind everyone else's Mace Windu. Alright, well, that's our episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, rate us and review us on iTunes. I haven't had a new one in three years. You know and we love them. Just do it. it we'll hurts. read it. It hurts. Like, I'm like, whatever, right? You can give up podcasting, it don't matter. <laughs> They already thought we did with three weeks off. (laughs) They listeners have taken three years off of reading and reviewing. (laughs) Don't feel bad. I don't feel guilty. Uh, We got to keep it going until we get to the Guardians review because you know only one person is excited about that. Here's the thing: we don't need your feedback. We just want it. We'll still keep doing this no matter what. As long as it fits into our schedules, we're going to keep recording. Yeah.